Hello and welcome to another edition of Addition. I'm your host, Adi Adewusi. I'm a product manager at Microsoft, a mathematician, a futurist, tech optimist, artist, and creator. And I'm here every day, Monday through Friday, bringing you the news, the hot topics, the hot topics in tech, some career advice, and letting you know what I'm geeked out about this week. So before I jump into an update on the markets and news and all of that, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit the like button, subscribe if you aren't already subscribed. If you're listening in your podcast player, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, go ahead and follow or subscribe and leave me a five-star review if you've been enjoying the show. I really, really appreciate it and it does make a huge difference. I received one review so far on Apple Podcasts and thank you so much for that review. But in order for my podcast to grow, I definitely need more than one five-star review. So please take the time this weekend to leave a review. And you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Edition with Addy, Twitter at Edition Pod, and my personal Twitter is at Addy Adewusi. I know I missed yesterday. I was at the office and I'm at the office today, but I also had plans after work and just didn't plan my day accordingly. So, but if you want to check out some views and seeing what I was doing, you can head to my TikTok or Instagram. Hey, so let's get into the markets. So Bitcoin is hovering around 20,685, down 29.86% over the past seven days. Ethereum is at $1,078, down 37.6% over the past seven days. S&P 500 is down 5.87% over the past five days. The NASDAQ is down 5% over the past five days. So the NASDAQ has been recovering a lot. Uh, S&P, not so much, and Bitcoin and Ethereum, definitely not. So um, this is the worst I've ever seen crypto since I've been investing in crypto. And this is really unfortunate. And I'm sure people are having a lot of fear and doubts about crypto right now. I'm not selling my crypto. Um, it's I'm putting it, it's in cold storage and that's just where it's going to be. And I'm just not going to even worry about it at this point. It's just completely out of my mind. If it goes to zero, it goes to zero. I learned a lesson. Um, what I would not do is panic buy or panic sell. I would think about your investment strategy, think about the long-term goals, you know, the time frame that you would want to grow this money, what your actual price target is, and make a decision based on that. Uh, and I will also include links uh, to, you know, if you want to get a financial advisor, which I highly recommend if you're thinking about panic selling or even panic buying, um, that will be in the show notes. So, all right, let's get into the hot topics. So first we have to talk about the Twitter town hall with Elon Musk. And the article I'm referencing is from NPR, which I recommend because there are a lot of articles out there and people are just so biased. There, there's a strong bias against Elon Musk. And, and I agree, I am, <laughs> he's annoying, he annoys me too. Um, but so, but I try to get unbiased news. And so this NPR article is what I'll be reading from. So the headline is, Elon Musk addresses Twitter staff about free speech, remote work, layoffs, and aliens. So I quote, Elon Musk addressed Twitter employees on Thursday for the first time since striking a deal to buy the social network for $44 billion. The billionaire Tesla CEO touched on a wide range of subjects from his ideas for improving Twitter's finances to the platform's rule about speech 
to musings about life, the universe, and the existence of aliens, according to a person who listened. Wow. Continuing, Musk dialed in remotely to the meeting, which was live-streamed internally. Twitter's chief marketing officer, Leslie Berland, posed a selection of questions submitted by staff. Asked about his vision for the company, Musk said he wanted a billion people a day to use Twitter. That's Excuse me, that's ambitious. Just 229 million people use Twitter daily right Excuse me, right now. He deflected a question about whether he planned to become the CEO, saying he doesn't care about titles, but plans to give a lot of input about the direction of the platform. Musk is already CEO of two companies, Tesla and SpaceX. He floated ideas for broadening Twitter's business beyond its current dependence on advertising, suggesting it could charge people to get verified with those blue check marks, a way of confirming their identities. What was not directly addressed, either by Musk or in in the questions Berland asked, is whether the billionaire entrepreneur remains committed to buying Twitter. End quote. So I've heard a few takes of this uh, live stream. I did, the, the funniest take I heard was, wait, he's not in the office because he was recording from what looked like a hotel room. And seeing that he recently ordered all Tesla employees to go back to the office, it was a little ironic. But, um, and I also heard a take that this is just for show, he doesn't plan on buying Twitter. He's just doing this so when Twitter sues, him for not buying Twitter, he will be able to say, well, I did this town hall and I outlined my vision. And I think the reason why people are doubting his motives is because this vision is really vague. It really is. Um, And it's also like, if you're going to grow a platform from 220 million users to a billion, you need more of a plan than he didn't really say how he was going to do that. He did say that he was influenced by WeChat, which is a Chinese social media p- platform that's also payments and pretty much everything. You know, anything that you need to do, most things you need to do online in China, you can do through WeChat. And he also talked about Twitter or TikTok as well and how he would want to create, you know, more engaging and entertaining content. But I feel like Twitter is about information and news and getting a pulse. And in small subsects, there will be entertainment. For example, people like me geek out to, you know, tech tech Twitter drama, right? But I, I don't think I'm in the majority there, right? So this is a serious business and he's already running two very serious businesses. So I'm not really sure how he is going to make this work. So we shall see. So that's the update there. Next, crypto hedge fund Three Arrows Capital considers asset sales and a bailout. And this is from the Wall Street Journal. I talked about Three Arrows Capital in the last episode. I will link it in the show notes. So I quote, Three Arrows is exploring options, including asset sales and a rescue by another firm, Mr. Davies said. The fund is hoping to reach an agreement with creditors that would give it more time to work out with the plan. The firm is still operating as it seeks a solution. Three Hours Capital was among a large group of a group of large investors that took part in a $1 billion token sale earlier this year by Luna Foundation Guard, a nonprofit organization started by the South Korean developer Do Kwon, the creator of Terra USD. 
The funds went toward a Bitcoin-denominated reserve for the stablecoin, and were meant to help Terra's USD value, help maintain Terra's USD value at one dollar per coin. Mr. Davies said, three hours capital or three arrows invested about two hundred million in Luna as part of that deal, a sum that was effectively wiped out when Terra USD and Luna both became worthless in a matter of days. End quote. Okay, so if you didn't. Listen to the episodes on the Terra Luna meltdown. So essentially, Terra Luna, well, Terra UST is the stable coin, and I'll link the episodes that I've done on stable coins, but it's supposed to remain a dollar. And Luna is their asset that I would compare to a Bitcoin or Ethereum. And that was over $100. And then all of a sudden, it crashed to zero. So the stablecoin depegged from the dollar and was trading way below a dollar, and the price of Luna crashed pretty much to zero. I lost $100 from that. I had $100 invested in Luna. So basically, Three Arrows Capital, basically they, they have $200 million that they put into Luna that is now zero. And... Okay, so back to three hours capital. So now that the prices of crypto is tanked significantly, you know, it, it's three hours capital is a crypto hedge fund. So all they do is trade crypto. So they are, they're probably down significantly, and they were already liquidated four hundred million. I reported that yesterday, and now it looks like they are looking for a bailout. So the crypto community is definitely watching closely because. Like I talked about before, the domino effect. So Luna crashes, and then Celsius crashes, and now it looks like Three Hours Capital is going to crash. Um, what does that mean for crypto? What is the future of crypto? And there are a lot of, and surprisingly, even though crypto prices are so down, mainstream media is talking so much about crypto and giving, you know, crypto investors and crypto founders a platform to talk about why they still believe in crypto. So I'm still bullish on crypto. If if people aren't you know, ignoring it, and and if they're actually letting giving people room to still talk about what how it's still valid, that looks like resilience to me. That looks like anti fragility to me. Um, that's a reference to the book um, Anti Fragile by uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Highly recommend that book. Yeah, so I I'm not worried. Long story short, you can quote me on that. Um, Let's check back in in 10 years. Okay, moving on. And I, I admit that I could totally be wrong. I'm not, I'm not a psychic or anything, but that's just my sentiment right now. Okay, moving on. Fintech giant Klarna slashes fundraising ambitions, and this is from the Wall Street Journal. I quote, Klarna Bank, AB, is considered raising fresh funds at a significantly lower valuation than it achieved a year ago. According to people familiar with the situation, a sign of the pushing and punishing environment for tech companies. The Swedish payments firm is in talks with investors about a deal that could value the company at around 15 billion, the people said, less than it was seeking just last month. The Wall Street Journal reported Klarna was in talks to raise up to 1 billion at a low $30 billion range valuation. One of the people said that the current talks could yield at least 500 million. There is no guarantee a deal would take place. A $15 billion valuation would be a substantial come down for Klarna, which became Europe's most valuable financial technology startup 
last June when SoftBank invested, uh, led an investment that valued the company at $45.6 billion. Other investors include Sequoia Capital, Silver Lake, and Dragoneer Investment Group, end quote. Okay, so I realized at the beginning I didn't talk about what Klarna is. Klarna is a buy now, pay later service that allows you to make purchases in installments, in four payment installments, but receive the item immediately. So uh, this is what is called a down round when a startup raises, let's say a startup raises at raises money from investors that values the company at $1 billion. And then the next time they try to raise money, let's say they value at $500 million, that's a down round. And those are not a good look because employees are typically receiving stock at the current valuation, whatever it is at the time. So employee sentiment is down. And remember, startup stock is not tradable. It's not, they cannot cash that out until the IPO. So it's a huge risk that people are taking working at startups and being compensated in equity. So a down round, the employees are have lost morale, the founder is probably disappointed, the investors that are likely sitting on the board of these companies are upset because they invested too. So it's just a not a good place to be. And I absolutely anticipate potentially layoffs. Well, they are in Sweden, so they may take a different approach to hiring than um, we do in the U.S. In the U.S., we're like, whatever, we're laying people off. Where in some European countries, there are laws against that. But I do see Klarna cutting costs, and I and I, I potentially see them getting acquired because at a fifteen billion valuation is way lower than a $45 billion valuation. So companies that were thinking about buying Klarna previously, but it was too expensive, now it's more attainable. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone buys a Klarna. We'll see. It is also international. So likely, I'm, I would anticipate if someone bought Klarna, it would be a US or a Chinese company. So that makes it a little bit tricky but we shall see. Okay, for the career segment, let's talk about ERGs or employee resource groups. So for example, I'm a black woman, I'm in the blacks at Microsoft ERG, and I'm also with the women in Microsoft ERG. And there are different ERGs, like there's families at Microsoft, Latino, LGBT, et cetera. Um, there's so many options and I'm in several. So, um, what I, why I'm bringing up in the career segment is that if you are really nervous about networking within your company or establishing relationships, ERGs are a great place to start because you're at least around people that you feel more familiar with because they either look like you or um, you know, share the same identity as you. So like I'm in the office today because there is a BAM empowerment event that's in um, you know, recognizing Juneteenth and there's a happy hour after work. And those are my favorite events to go to because I want to meet other, you know, black folk at Microsoft um, because it's just, you know, easier to uh, talk to them and identify with them. That being said, I strongly recommend networking and making friends with everyone, but let's not deny that it can be uncomfortable to go um, 
if you're just getting started to talk to um, someone who is, you know, has a completely opposite life experience from you. So I encourage you to join ERGs. I don't, and I feel like I, I would say I'm a, it's like I, I'm kind of an ERG freeloader. So I'm not on the leadership committee or anything like that because my diversity and inclusion priority is accessibility. So we have a V team where we focus on like a virtual team where we focus on accessibility. It's not an ERG. So um, I just kind of show up at the events and, you know, you know, make friends, make contacts, make connections. I don't, I don't think it's a requirement to be actively involved in the leadership of these ERGs, especially if you already have a, a stressful job. But that is a great, for some people, it's a good path for them. Um, it's just not the path I'm taking right now. Okay. So what am I geeked out about this week? I am geeked out about going to, going to my first college reunion. So um, I went to Dartmouth and I graduated in 2015. So our five-year reunion was in 2020, June, which obviously didn't happen. And then 2021 hat came and the reunion didn't happen either. So I'm going to my seven-year college reunion. And I typically wouldn't go because like Dartmouth is literally in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire, but my family is in Boston, so I get to go see them as well on the way. So yeah, I make, and it's a great networking opportunity. So again, like all of these events that you see on your calendar, like the happy hour or the reunion or the get together or the meet and greet, meet and greet I am imploring you to attend those because that is where the magic happens. That is where the connections are made that those are the events that are gonna change your career way more than working an extra 30 minutes or sitting on the couch. So, all right, so that's the episode. Uh, I will see you next week. I hope you have a great weekend and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.